0: We cover the latest macro data, what's going on with bank earnings, and we preview the week ahead. This is the Running With The Money show, powered by Pounding The Table and Donate Capital. Let's get into it. It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just Make a living in this first be or what is going on and my name is Luke Donay your host and welcome back to the running with the money show my oh my it has been a minute and the markets have been tumultuous but we are back covering the latest news what in the world is going on with the economy and how the markets are are reacting to all the data so without further ado let's get right into it and covering the biggest macro headline of the week that is of course cpi the consumer price index now what in the world is going on with the cpi well the latest headline read came in at 6.5 percent year over year which By the way, it's the smallest annual increase that we have seen in the CPI since 2021. Now, digging into that headline month over month, it actually fell by 0.1%. That is very good, people. That's exactly what we want to see. In digging into the nitty gritty of it, we have food at home. Up 0.2%, which is the smallest increase since March of 21. We have fuel and oil down 16.6%. That's the biggest decline we've seen since February of 1990. Holy smokes. Household furnishings up 0.2%. Used cars down 2.5%. That's the sixth straight decline for used cars. Apparel up 0.5%. That's the most since June. We have airfares down 3.1%. The large drop since August. Medical care services up 0.1%. That's the first rise we have seen in three months, and it just keeps going. Shelter also ticking up by 0.8% for the month. And by the way, that is now 7.5% higher than that it was a year ago. Go, But we continue to dig into what in the world this all means and where Core CPI also was as well. Core CPI came in up 5.7% year over year um, and on a month-over-month basis came in up 0.3%. So Core still taking up a little, but not as much as it has been. And by the way, if you're wondering why in the world we put such a huge emphasis on why shelter is in Important, it's very important when it comes to CPI because it accounts for roughly a third of the total CPI index. So it's a big time part of this calculation. Now, digging into what this all means in relation to the Federal Reserve. Well, we know that the Fed target for inflation is roughly 2%. That means inflation is currently essentially triple their target still, which is a major issue. But if we annualize this data, what we see is, on an annualized basis is that core goods is actually down 4.8%, shelter's up 9.2%, and services less shelter is up 1.2%. So how did the market take all this data in? Well, everyone was expecting a massive squeeze or a massive sell-off yesterday when the CPI dropped, but what would we get? We got a massively neutral reaction. Now, why did we get that? Mostly because this CPI came in pretty much in line with expectations. There was no surprises in this report. And since then, we have moved some to the upside. But what is the market pricing in when it comes to the FOMC and the Federal Reserve and what actions they are going to take? So shortly after the CPI data drop swaps started the price in the highest chance being a 25 basis point hike at the next FOMC meeting. So it seems that the bulls are getting more confident. They're more and more confident based on the CPI data and other inflation data that we might get out of this pretty much unscathed. Now, also, when it comes to what the swaps are pricing, you wanna pay attention to the fact that now the market is pricing the possibility of no hike actually occurring at the next meeting, that the next meeting is the one at which they pause. There's a small chance of that being priced into the market, but the highest probability right now is being set On the 25 basis points for the next meeting, and that's baked. In and that's according to Bloomberg and their analysis of swap pricing yesterday. Now shifting into jobless claims, seasonally adjusted initial claims came in at two hundred and five thousand. That's a decline of one thousand from the previous week's level, which was actually revised up from two hundred four thousand to two hundred six thousand. So we definitely need to pay attention to this because jobless claims are coming in at the lowest level since September. You heard that correctly, darn near the lowest level since September, and the bulls really do not want to see a labor market that can. Continues to remain strong, which is what this data is reflecting. The bulls want to see the labor market weakening, and they want to see this because they want the Fed to pivot as soon as possible. And as long as the labor market remains strong, the Fed is going to keep on the pedal and continue to argue that they can keep on fighting inflation because the labor market will back them up. That has been their argument, and it continues to be their argument, and the bulls do not like this stronger labor market data. Now, continuing on, the four-week moving average for these initial claims came in at 212500 That's a decline of 1750 from the previous week's revised average. Taking a look at the advanced seasonally adjusted insured unemployment rate It came in at 1.1% for the week ending December 31. And that is a decline of 0.1 percentage points. Now, Moving away from the labor market, let's get into the banks. What's going on with bank earnings? Because we got a whole bunch of bank earnings this morning, and well, J.P. Morgan beat expectations, delivering earnings of three dollars and fifty-seven cents per share, exceeding the estimate of three dollars and seven cents per share. Profit also jumped six percent year over year to eleven point zero one billion dollars. Shifting into revenue for J.P. Morgan, that came in at thirty-five point five seven billion. Dollars versus the $34.3 billion estimate prior to the report, and that revenue growth was fueled by an increase in net interest income to $20.3 billion, which topped estimates by about a billion. Now, shifting into the average loans, where are loans going? Average loans increased by six percent in the bank, posted $2.3 billion in provision. For credit losses in the quarter that's up 49 percent from the third quarter in which exceeded the 1.96 billion dollar estimate now shifting in to comments made by the ceo of jp morgan jamie diamond he said shortly after a report that the u.s economy quote currently remains strong he related that to wealth finance consumers and businesses but he also noted and went on to say quote we still do not know the ultimate effect of the headwinds coming from geopolitical tensions including the war in Ukraine, the vulnerable state of energy and food supplies, persistent inflation that is eroding purchasing power, and has pushed interest rates higher in the unprecedented quantitative tightening. So, Diamond, he seems to... Look at the economy and say, look, we're currently strong now, but who knows where it's going to be six to twelve months from now. Um, we kind of just need to be patient and wait it out here, but it's definitely not super negative, and it's definitely a net positive for the broader markets. We also had City reporting mixed results, delivering earnings of a dollar ten per share, which actually came in below the dollar fourteen expected. Net income coming in at two and a half billion dollars compared to the three point two billion dollars a year ago. Therefore, it's down. year over year net interest income coming in at $13.27 billion. That was above the expectation of $12.7 billion and revenue topping estimates at $18.01 billion for the quarter above the estimate of $17.9 billion. Now digging into those revenues, trading revenues, fixed income came in at $3.16 billion. That was above expectations. Equities trading came in at $789 million. That was below expectations. And when it comes to provision for credit losses, Citibank delivering $1.85 billion compared to $1.79 billion that was expected by analysts. The market makers and hedge funds run the market, but what if I told you there was a platform that provided unique insights into hidden hedging, exposing the smart money's active positions. Rocket Scooter revolutionized this technical analysis, utilizing liquidity data to reveal high reward, lower setups for any market environment. Not only that, but Rocket Scooter provides you with live stream trading every weekday, detailed training videos, personal coaching, and access to a private trading community of over 3,000 traders. Check out Rocket Scooter's easy to use platform that includes automatic liquidity mapping and customizable scanners and much more in fact this tool is so awesome i use it in my daily trading strategy so go give rocket scooter a try completely free using the link rocketscooter.com forward slash luke again that's rocket forward slash luke let's get back to the show Now jumping in on the final two major banks that reported the day, Wells Fargo delivered mixed results. They delivered an APS of 67 cents per share, which was below $1.38 a year ago. Now shifting in the net income, it tumbled by 50% year over year to $2.86 billion, below that of $5.75 billion last year, same time. Now, That decline was motivated by lower mortgage banking. So definitely that mortgage banking impacting Wells Fargo, especially in the net income front. Revenues came in below expectations of $19.98 billion. Wells Fargo delivered $19.66 billion in revenue. That was 5.7% lower than a year ago. Now, it's also important to note that the bank did set aside $957 million for credit losses after they reduced their provisions by $452 million a year ago. And we did get some comments out of CEO Charlie Sharp. He went on to say, quote, Though the quarter was significantly impacted by previously disclosed operating losses, our underlying performance reflected the progress we are making to improve returns. Rising interest rates drove strong net interest to income growth. Credit losses have continued to increase slowly, but credit quality remains strong and we continue to make progress on our efficiency initiatives. So, one major takeaway out of that is the credit losses part. They're starting to see credit losses increase, and that's definitely not something you want to see if you're taking a look at the economy. Now, shifting in to the final big bank of the day, Bank of America beat expectations. They delivered an EPS of $0.85 cents per share, and this compared to $0.77 cents per share that was expected. They also reported $14.7 billion in net interest income. That's up 29% year over year, but it was slightly below the Wall Street expectation of $14.8 billion. Revenue coming in at $24.66 billion compared to the expectation of $24.33 billion. And the bank implemented a $1.1 billion provision for credit losses. Are you starting to see a pattern with these banks? They are upping the provisions for credit losses. Um, And that is actually up $1.6 billion compared with the same time level we saw in 2021. Now, shifting into some comments out of... Bank of America CEO Brian Moyhan, he went on to say, quote, our baseline scenario contemplates a mild recession. But we also add to that a downside scenario. And what that results in is 95% of our reserve methodology is weighted toward a recessionary environment in 2023. So pretty much Bank of America's baseline case is recession 2023, likely a mild recession. Now, shifting away from the macro and the big bank earnings, we got to get into what lies ahead. What are we going to see next week? Well, we aren't trading Monday. It is a holiday. We get that off. But we need to talk about Tuesday, what's going on on Tuesday? Well, we have a hell of a week when it comes to earnings. Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Interactive Brokers, Citizens Financial, United Airlines, and Silvergate all report on Tuesday, to name a few. On Wednesday, we have Charles Schwab, Prologis, PNC Financial, Discovery, J.V. Hunt, Alcoa, First Bank Corp. I mean, holy smokes! Wednesday is filled as well. And then to the round out the week on Thursday and Friday, we have Procter and Gamble, Netflix, Truist Financial, American Airlines, Slumber and Ally, and so many more names to report. Next week, but those are pretty much the names you want to highlight the most. They're the biggest names out there reporting earnings. And shifting into economic data, we are also getting next week. On Tuesday, we have the New York Empire State Manufacturing Index. Wednesday we have some MBA real estate and mortgage data. The PPI or the producer price. Index. That's a major inflation read, and retail sales. And finally, on Thursday, we have the Philly Fed employment and economic data, housing starts, jobless claims, which everyone's paying attention to. Remember what we talked about earlier. And Friday, we have existing home sales. So a lot of macro data in a week full of earnings is definitely going to be interesting to see. Now, what is going on with the indexes? Real quick, if you want some technical notes, taking a look. The S&P 500. Well, it's continuing its attempt to rally up through the SPX infamous downtrend line that we have been in since the beginning of 2022. So we continue to tease that downtrend line next week will likely be the decision week for this, whether we reject it or break up through it, who knows, but that's definitely something to pay attention to until the next one. Easy profit trade on. We'll see you next Friday.